Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn and Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for midweek news and notes with our friend who is the co-founder over at U Stadium, Mr. Nick Spano. Nick, what's up, brother? Not too much, man. We got the the rumor mill is uh, is hot and heavy early in the offseason, so getting, getting ready to go. That is without a doubt true. It's wild, all the speculation that's been going on. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers in a little bit. First, though, let's talk about the other quarterback that has been spoken about a lot involving the Jets and some other teams. That, of course, is Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. We know that Carr and the Raiders are going to part ways. It's just a matter of whether the Raiders are able to trade him or they have to release him because he's got that salary guaranteed as of February 15th, three days after the Super Bowl. So if the Raiders can't work a deal... Then they're going to have to release him. And by the way, as we've said before, Derek Carr has a full no-trade clause. So if he wants to make the Raiders' life difficult, he could just veto every trade that comes through, force them to release him, and then he can make sure that he picks whatever team he wants and they don't have to give up any assets in the process. That said, there will be teams that are interested, and this isn't like Aaron Rodgers where there are going to be major parameters in terms of where the Raiders will be willing to deal him because of the full no trade clause and the acrimonious nature of the split. I would think that they're going to be willing to deal him pretty much anywhere. 
The Jets have been mentioned as a possibility. The Commanders have been mentioned as a possibility. The Colts and the Texans, which is surprising, have been mentioned as possibilities. The entire NFC South mentioned as possibilities. Miami even mentioned as a possibility if Tua Tagovailoa were to decide to step away from football after all the health scares. What's interesting is, Nick, I had Hondo Carpenter Sr., of Sports Illustrated on the show yesterday. And if you haven't heard it yet, please go check it out. He wrote an incredible article for SI detailing the breakdown of the relationship between the Raiders and Derek Carr. And Hondo made it clear that there are two things that Derek Carr really values right now. Those two things are stability and the opportunity to win. He wants to go to a win-now team. So as far as stability goes, that would, you would think, rule out the commanders because there's so many questions around their ownership. What he's looking for is a situation where he can go in and not be afraid that it's all going to get blown up in one year. Now, obviously, one thing that would make you nervous there with the Jets is that Salah and Douglas, if the team doesn't make the playoffs, could be in a lot of trouble. Maybe Carr sees that, although Hondo Carpenter said that, to the best of his knowledge, Carr has a lot of respect for Robert Sala, and on paper, the Jets roster would work very well. Carr is frustrated with having to carry too much because those defenses have collapsed so many times, and he's had to make these crazy comebacks. That's why he has 33 comeback wins in his career with the Raiders. He would like to go somewhere where the defense holds up their end of the bargain. He'd like to go somewhere where it looks like he has a chance to win right now because he wants to win very, very badly. He's incredibly driven. So those are the two things he's looking for. We talked about the contenders. The reports out there, Nick, are that teams are calling. The Raiders are trying to get a trade done. I know you have some more details as to what's going on behind the scenes. So why don't you jump in and fill us in on that? Um, I did hear that teams would like the opportunity to at least uh, approach Derek about the contract and, and you know what he'd count against the cap and um, what he he'd be due. Um, so I, I think that that comes along really with when teams are prepared to kind of pitch themselves to Derek to say, hey, you know, why don't you come and, and play for you know the Jets or play for for um, the Titans, et cetera, so teams like that. So they'll have their opportunity to to pitch uh, themselves and also discuss the contract, which. You know, it's it's forty million on the cap next year. It's it's a solid chunk. So, um, you know, he, while Derek is a good quarterback, he's probably not forty million dollars good. So, um, that's something that teams have a little hesitancy on. But like you know, like any kind of trade, there's always uh, if you're trading for a quarterback who you see as your franchise guy at least for the next few years, um, you know, that there'll there'll be an opportunity to to redo a contract and make it fit with. Uh, you know, with, with where you're at roster wise and cap wise. So, um, you know, car, car is a great option for the jets. He's somebody I've been, you know, very vocal about the jets being aggressive on and obviously the timeline of it. Um, obviously the, the Raiders have to make a decision by, you know, a few days after the super bowl. And, um, I don't know what the exact day is anymore. I don't even know what, what today is. So, uh, it should, it should kind of come together. You know, that week of, what, what would it be next week, the week before the Super Bowl? I wouldn't be surprised if you start hearing a lot more about who's interested and, you know, who's more interested and who's talking about a deal and, you know, maybe even who Derek likes, you know, which teams he prefer. 
Uh, I think it'll start to pick up by the Super Bowl and then probably if if a trade is not kind of agreed to in principle before the Super Bowl, maybe um, before uh, the week before the Super Bowl, then probably the day after or so. Um, so it's going to come together quickly. I mean, you're you're probably, you know, if 10 days out from, from knowing something about Carr and then, you know, a few other quarterbacks after, I'm sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick Hondo said that he believes that Carr isn't worried about market. He isn't worried about going to the East Coast or any of that stuff. He just wants to win and he just wants to go somewhere with some stability. As he said when he was on the show yesterday, the two coaches that got the Raiders into the playoffs while Carr was there are Jack Del Rio and Rich Bisaccia. And what they have in common is that Mark Davis fired them shortly after they got the team into the playoffs. He's tired of that. So those are the two things that he's looking for, and we'll see what happens. I will also say that you and I have discussed many times as you said, Derek Carr, not a $41 million a year quarterback, really more of a $30, $35 million a year quarterback, somewhere in that general range, maybe around 32 33 something like that. And so it always stood to reason that with zero guaranteed money left on his deal, but such a high cap figure, that a new team, whether it's via free agency or a trade, would negotiate some sort of deal with Derek Carr where he would get more guaranteed money but have a lower yearly cap figure. And I think that's likely to happen whether he is traded or hits the market as a free agent. Now let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, Nick. A lot of speculation going on around old number 12. And we both know how the media landscape works. Peter King coming out and saying that the Packers would be willing to listen to offers and that they'd be looking for two first-round picks. Ian Rappaport coming out and saying that for the right deal, the Packers could potentially consider an Aaron Rodgers trade. Adam Schefter coming out saying the same thing and then adding that the Packers would be looking to trade him to the AFC, not the NFC. Monday morning QB's Connor Orr writing an article talking about how if the Jets were to get Aaron Rodgers, it would show that they are serious about winning a Super Bowl and not just making the playoffs. Albert Breer then confirming what we all more or less know, which is that if Aaron Rodgers 100% lock, stock, and barrel becomes available, Woody Johnson will get involved because you know that he would be drooling over the opportunity to get a superstar quarterback, even though... Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old and toward the very end of his career. Also, Pat Kerwin on NFL Radio today talking about how in league circles, there's some whispers about Woody Johnson maybe even tampering with Aaron Rodgers, back channeling or mentioning him in spots where he's not supposed to. I have no idea if that's true. And I certainly have no idea whether the Packers could prove it even if it was, but that's something to keep an eye on down the line as well. For Rodgers' part, though, he had some interesting things to say on the Pat McAfee show today. He talked about how, yes, he wants to win MVPs, but he also wants to go somewhere where he can win. Talked about his salary cap number and said he realizes that if he were to go to a new team, 
the number would have to be changed. That's fairly obvious for both the Packers and the new team's sake. Rodgers made it fairly clear that he is going to play in 2023, which I think we all knew. The question, of course, is what happens after that. And he was asked about Zach Wilson, who we know that he has a very tight relationship with. Here's what he said. I think Zach Wilson is super talented. I think a little humility is good for all of us at various times in our careers. I think the first year they literally had no players. They came to practice against us and I was like, the defense can play and the offense needs some more players. Aaron Rodgers is misremembering this because they had a terrible defense last year. (laughs) Then they added a young receiver from Ohio State. Is it? He's, of course, talking about Garrett Wilson and got a tight end from the Bengals, I believe. That would be C.J. Ozama. They picked a running back who was pretty damn good last year, Brees Hall. For Zach Wilson, it's going to be humility. Just lean into that and be consistently working on the fundamentals. I think he's so talented, but the best in the business can make all the plays outside the pocket, can move around. But fundamentally, inside the pocket, that's where you beat teams. I hope that whoever they decide to go with that coordinator can work with him and kind of break down a lot of fundamentals for him and get him playing on time. I think he's talented enough to have a long career in the league. Now, he was asked about Zach Wilson. He didn't just come out with that at random. We already knew he was close to Zach Wilson. However, the last time Aaron Rodgers said positive things about Zach Wilson was before the matchup in Green Bay. The Jets ultimately won that game. Wilson, after that, really slid downhill to the point where he got benched twice. And so for Rodgers to come back out and say this again when asked says to me that maybe if he were to come to New York, there could be an interesting dynamic there with Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. And you have to think that Woody Johnson will look at that possibility as, hmm, not only could you go out and get this superstar, but maybe that superstar could help salvage the guy that the Jets invested so much of their future in with the number two overall pick in 2021. If Aaron Rodgers could help Zach Wilson restore his confidence, help fix his fundamentals, and at the same time, help get the Jets back on the right track, then maybe you're looking at a situation where the quick fix becomes long-term. However, let's talk about this, Nick. The Packers, as we said, Peter King talked about this and others have too, looking for two first-round picks. They want to trade Aaron Rodgers, if they trade him, to an AFC team. Can they get two first-round picks? I'm not sure. You look through the teams that might be able to get Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders were a team that, as you pointed out to me before we started recording, were on his list last year if he were to consider being traded. Things are a little bit different now. McDaniels is there. The Raiders are cash-strapped reportedly. But, Nick, we should make this clear. When anybody talks about the salary cap with quarterbacks, this has to be in the back of your head. When it comes to a quarterback that an owner wants or a general manager wants, they will always always find a way to make it work financially. So if the Raiders want to get it done financially, they can get that done if the other pieces fall into place. So the Raiders, certainly a possibility. The Tennessee Titans could be looking to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Aaron Rodgers has a house 10 minutes from the stadium in Nashville. He owns a house, I believe, in Franklin, Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, one of the most respected coaches in the NFL, They're in a very weak division. I know the Jaguars look like they're on the rise, but they're certainly not the Chiefs or anything like that. So that could be an interesting landing spot for him. The Titans roster needs to be tinkered with, but it's absolutely a possibility. The Colts, I don't know how likely that is. They probably try to get a young quarterback in the draft. 
but you never know with Ursay. He could hire Jeff Saturday. He's a wild card. You don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he throws his hat in the ring and tries to go after Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about the Houston Texans in relation to somebody like Derek Carr. I'm sure they'd be interested in Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be interested in them, but who knows? If the Dolphins end up moving on from Tua Tugavailoa because he steps away, as we talked about with Derek Carr, Rodgers could make sense there. So there are options here for the Packers, but the fact that they've ruled out NFC teams definitely limits them to a degree. A lot of Jets fans getting very excited. I wouldn't give up two first-round picks for him. We've talked about this before we started recording. If you're going to get Aaron Rodgers, the difference in compensation between him and Carr has to be reasonable. If it's a much higher level of compensation for Rodgers, I personally would rather have Carr because I think he's a very good quarterback and he could be here for five to eight years, whereas Rodgers, best case scenario, you're probably getting him for two years. You may even get him for one because he does this every year. He says, I have to reevaluate my options, and then he holds the team hostage for a couple of months. He could do that next year if the Jets get him and put them in a very precarious position. And if you give up two first-rounders or a first-rounder and a bunch of other picks, you could be setting yourself up to be like the Denver Broncos. Maybe Aaron Rodgers comes in here for one year. They make the playoffs. They don't go that far. They gave up all these picks, and he's gone. Or even two years, similar situation. Of course, we did talk about the dynamic with Zach Wilson, unlike Jordan Love, who's somebody he didn't know, just some kid that was drafted to eventually take his job. Coming in here, Aaron Rodgers would know that Zach Wilson is already on the roster. They have a tight relationship, and maybe the dynamic between those two is different than Rodgers and Love, or Rodgers back when he was the guy that was coming up, and Favre was the one who was winding down. So, lot to process here, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, it is a lot. And I think, you know, when you when you keep breaking it down and, and sometimes when there's so much smoke, which there is, um, there is fire. And, and, I, and the more this goes on, I start to believe more and more that there is. I do know for a fact that Woody Johnson is obsessed with this and getting Rogers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like back channeling or, you know, quote, tamper, tampering. But I, I think one thing is, is pretty obvious at this point. Um, even if it's not being said, I think both sides, both the Packers and Rodgers know two things. One, uh, Rodgers is playing and two, he's leaving Green Bay. I think, I think both parties know it. I think they're going to try and find a, a, like a team that makes sense for both. Um, so in terms of the tampering, it's probably, you know, Pat Kerwin, it wouldn't be the first time he's kind of went on an anti-jet, uh, rant it's it's you know it's what he's done in his in his career <laughs> so I'm not surprised he's trying to stir up some stuff but I also I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if Woody did kind of do some stupid stuff behind the scenes because he's like I said he's obsessed with getting this done and um I, I do think that the Jets brass as a whole is on board with this I think Douglas Sala the coaching staff I mean why wouldn't you be um these guys know they need to to make the playoffs next year to keep their job and what better way than getting one of the best quarterbacks of, of the generation. So um, I think the jets are, are full on board a hundred percent. Now what they would offer, that's, you know, it's a different story. If what he's, what he's saying, go in and no regards, get, get whatever, you know, get him for whatever you can. And, you know, we'll deal with the consequences later. That's one thing. I think Douglas is more conservative in that way. So if you can get, you know, something, any deal I make, would be would be heavily involved with conditional picks and that would be 
if it is a day two pick this year, let's say even the number 40, what is it, 45, um, it, it would involve that or the third rounder, ideally the third rounder. But if it's the second, I'm not going to say no to Aaron Rodgers over, you know, the second round pick. I mean, look at our history. It's drafting in the second round. Um, and next year it would be a one and, and a conditional one. It, it's a one if if uh, either either he comes back you know, he comes back and plays in 2024. You know, he, he says, yeah, I'm all in. Um, or a Super Bowl, if it's a Super Bowl this season. So I'd, I'd have it be very heavily weighed on, on conditions that are met. So um, I would try whatever I can to hold on to number 13. But if if that's the, you know, the, the deciding factor, I wouldn't, you know, if they want 13 this year and then a mid-pick next year, then, then that's fine. Um, because I think the Jets need to get on the map. They're so far into the NFL's purgatory that sometimes you just have to, you know, lay it all out on the table. I'm trying to keep it PG. Lay it all out on the table and go all in. You know, push your chips to the middle and say we've been so bad and so meaningless for the past decade plus. I think the last time that we've, we, you know, outside of the two years with Rex and, and Sanchez, where it looks like they were building something, the last time we were relevant was Brett Favre, eight and three, knocked off the 10 and 0 Titans, right? Like, looks like they were, you know, the Super Bowl favorites at a point. And unfortunately, Brett got hurt, of course. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you, you see some similarities there, but now you just have a younger, more talented roster. Um, if you can get Rodgers to commit to two years, possibly even three. I mean, you have to, like, listening to Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show gives you a little bit, you feel a little bit better about Rodgers and, and how he, how long he wants to play. I think he's a guy who likes to be, likes to play this role, like a character. He likes to be suave. He likes to be, uh, like, the cool guy, so, like, smart. You know, he wants to be the smart kind of hip guy in the room. He sometimes he breaks character and, and, and you listen to certain things that he, you know, you'll see him just kind of lean into a little bit more and get more excited about. And it's a lot of the times it's the preparation, it's the competitiveness. And, um, you know, that's what you saw when, when he was talking about the off season workouts and, and competing and, and certain things. And to me, that, that sounds like a guy who could still, who still wants to play um, talked about, uh, being being willing and open to restructuring the deal, he knows a sixty million dollar, you know, is a lot, um, you know, for a team to take on. Not not that it would be sixty million on the cap this year, but you know that type of money. He mentioned with with COVID taking a hit on some of the owners. He understands the the intricacies of the business side of things. So to me, it sounds like a guy who's not ready to retire at all. I think he just likes to to almost know that he has leverage. And a guy who's also not very happy with the, the decisions that the Packers have made over the few, last few years. And, you know, the only way he can flex his muscles or use his leverage is to say, uh, maybe I just won't play, you know, do this for me, or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'll retire. To me, he sounds like a guy who's going to keep playing. Um, I get how, you know, if I'm a Packer fan, it, it gets annoying. You know, I'm sitting there picturing myself as a Jet fan, him doing this next year. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to sit through this for a year or two. So I, I understand the side of, you know, the fans who are, are maybe hesitant to do it. I just think what we have seen for so long, it's been so meaningless. 
and the Jets need something, some kind of spark and something to put them over the top here that Aaron Rodgers is going to, if nothing else, he's going to bring some respectability to the franchise that they desperately need. Because outside of Joe Douglas, and say what you want about all the rookies, Sauce, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, the, the talent there, this team really has no identity. There's nothing to the New York Jets. We're basically just another team that plays in the league that nobody cares about. You bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are instantly respectable in the NFL. Teams can't just say, oh, it's the Jets. No, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's the best quarter, you know, top three quarterback that we've seen in the last 25 years. So sometimes, man, and I get the, 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 the conservative, the not wanting to hand over the draft picks, and I get it. But sometimes, man, you just got to say, you know what, F it. This team needs something. And what it also allows you to do is something that the Jets just haven't done. And it's probably because of the owner. Actually, I know it is because of the owner. And it's be patient with the quarterback that you can draft. Draft a quarterback in the second round next year. Draft a quarterback at some point and let him sit. Let him sit behind Aaron Rodgers. You know, obviously he's not taking Rodgers is going to the Rodgers is going to be the guy here as long as he wants to play. So there's no threat in drafting a quarterback here to sit behind Rodgers. It's not like when they, they you know, he said it, they, you know, Jordan loves my replacement. You know, he knew it. Um, he doesn't have to worry about that here. The Jets are going to basically say, hey, you you write the contract. You tell us how long you want to play here. So what it allows you to do is at some point, whether it is this year in the, in the later rounds, whether it's next year in the early rounds, you can draft a quarterback and you can have them sit and truly develop. So, I know a lot of people want to hang on to the the Sam, uh, I almost call him Sam Darnold the the Zach Wilson thing. I don't know how realistic it sounds. Almost like a Disney movie, which is fitting because Zach Wilson's kind of like a Disney character playing quarterback for the Jets anyway. But I, I don't I don't you know kind of hang on to that fairy tale thing with Zach Wilson. Like all of a sudden you know learns behind his idol and comes out and you know the whole um, you know Cinderella story. He becomes this great quarterback. I just I don't see it, but I, I could see. I could see someone like Woody Johnson falling for that, but you know, I don't know how realistic that is, but I just think at it's the perfect time for the jets to make an aggressive move. And I think everything's aligned in terms of the coach wanting it to happen. The owner, obviously obsessing over it. He's been obsessed about finding a star quarterback for decades, you know, since he's owned the team. And I think the GM knows that he, he messed up with the number two pick and, and what better way to kind of make people forget about that than bringing a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, Nick, I think there's a difference between aggressive and making a move to shake things up and being foolish because you're chasing a big name. And that's the needle that they would have to thread because again, Aaron Rodgers in all likelihood is only going to be here for a year or two if they get him. So it all comes down to a matter of what do you have to give up? Remember, when the Jets got Brett Favre, they gave up a third-round pick that could become a second-round pick if they made the playoffs and a first-round pick if they made the Super Bowl. If that's what we were talking about, this wouldn't even be a discussion. That would be a done deal, and I don't think anybody would be against it. The question is, do you have to give up a first and a bunch of other assets, or even more than that, two firsts, to get a guy who could come in here for a year or two and on paper, it's going to be a very tough road for him. He wasn't able to win the Super Bowl after the initial Super Bowl that he won in Green Bay with all those really good rosters. Now at 40 years old, he comes to an AFC with Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Very tough road. So if you make a move like that and you give up a ton, 
you're basically saying it's a failure and you're setting the franchise back if they don't win a Super Bowl. And I don't know how likely it would be that they would win one. They would definitely be in the discussion, especially more so than they are now. However, if the price is a lot more reasonable, like it was with Favre, very different discussion. And for people that are wondering why the Packers can demand what they're demanding now, as opposed to what the Packers got for Favre back then, despite the fact that Favre was runner-up for the MVP award in 2007, was a second-team All-Pro, so he was certainly still very good, A, I don't know for sure the Packers are going to get two first-round picks, but B, you have to remember the circumstances were different. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers right now in January, so it gives teams time to figure out, okay, he can factor in our plans, we can go after him, and we can set ourselves up a quarterback that way. What Brett Favre did was retire, and then in the summer, I believe it was late July, decide that he wanted to play again after the Packers had already committed to Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers was already going to be the starter. He was taking all the first team snaps in training camp. Favre showed up, caused an entire scene. The whole thing went into chaos, and now it became a situation where the Packers knew they had to deal him. They knew they couldn't deal him within the NFC. And by the way, the only two teams that were interested at the time were the Vikings and the Bucks. They weren't going to trade him in the division to the Vikings, and they didn't want to trade him within the NFC to his old friend, John Gruden, who was with the Bucks at the time. As I said, because it happened so late, all these teams were set at quarterback. The Jets were the rare exception. They had a good roster, but they had a problem at quarterback. Chad Pennington coming off a bad year in 2007. Kellen Clemens, a young kid who hadn't looked all that great when he got a chance in 2007. Brett Ratliff was the dark horse candidate, the practice squad kid who had looked pretty good in training camp, but they had no set answer. And so it basically came down to the only team that was interested that the Packers were willing to trade Favre to was the Jets. So it became the Jets or nobody. If Favre wanted to continue playing, it had to be for the Jets. And if the Packers wanted to get something for Favre, it had to be a trade to the Jets. And so the Jets had a lot more leverage than teams in this particular scenario would have as far as a trade for Aaron Rodgers. So that's why it's different now, and you need to keep that in mind as far as why the Packers will probably get significantly more for Rodgers than they did for Brett Favre back in 2008. Nick, let's talk a little offensive coordinator. If the Jets are going to go big or attempt to go big at quarterback, to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense to get the O.C., before the quarterback because do you really want to put yourself in a situation where you get an offensive coordinator and then Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr says to themselves, now nah, I don't like this guy, I don't want to be there, and you screwed yourself out of getting a difference maker at the quarterback position. I think they're probably going to be back-channeling to some of these guys as far as who would you prefer and all of that. We've heard about Nathaniel Hackett, who we know has a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. It looks like Greg Olson, who we've talked about, as a potential candidate to bring in here with Derek Carr, does not really want to leave the West Coast, so he's probably not coming here. The Jets interviewed Chad O'Shea. He did a very good job with the Patriots for a long time as a wide receivers coach, but the problem, of course, is that when he went to the Dolphins that one year that he called plays, it was the tank year. He got fired, so we really don't know what his story is as far as play calling and what he could do there. He did a pretty good job as wide receivers coach with the Browns last year, but very unproven. Clint Kubiak, who certainly has some experience, he's Gary Kubiak's son, but he seasoned. He was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings up until 2021, and he has a relationship with Robert Sala because of his father. 
I don't know that it's the greatest option, but at least it's somebody who you know has experience. And Frank Reich, clearly he would be at the top of anybody's list. He wants a head coaching job, doesn't look like he's going to get it. If he doesn't, reports are that he'd be willing to listen to offers to be an offensive coordinator. There will be plenty that will come his way from numerous teams that have offensive coordinator openings, but I would imagine that the Jets would do everything they could to land him if he doesn't get a head coaching job. Yeah, and, and Reich is the one that's at the top of the Jets list for sure. Um, I'm sure they're not alone in that as well. Like you mentioned, I'm sure if he doesn't get the, I, I believe he interviewed for two two teams. Was it like the Cardinals or and the Panthers? Um, I forget. Um, if he doesn't get those, and it seems like he's going to coach, he's not going to sit out like the Doug Peterson route. Um, so then it would kind of be a who's willing to fork, fork over the most money and who's got the best opportunity. Uh, the Jets, if Woody Johnson is as gung-ho about kind of building a winner this year, then maybe he's going to have to do what he's been hesitant to do in the past, and that's pay for assistant coaches and coordinators. Um, give Frank Reich the assistant head coach label and, you know, pay him to be the most expensive, you know, pay him, what, two, $3 million to be the uh, the OC here. Uh, maybe that'll, that'll entice him enough. But um, – Peter Schrager spoke this morning with Tom Pelissero and said that the Jets had t- over 20 names um, and they want a guy with uh, experience. So that obviously leads you to the to the Hackett conversation, and he was mentioned by name as well. And there's a lot of names that, that haven't come out yet. I don't know if maybe some of them are the names that have turned the Jets down or said that they weren't interested. Um, I know, obviously, we heard Daryl Bevel. He turned down any OC opportunities um joe brady they're still waiting on i believe the chargers put in a request for him too so we'll see if he takes interviews so i feel like there's still names and and they're slow playing this but the entire league is there's been no outside of the bill o'brien to the pats and uh jim schwartz to the browns as the dc no coaches have been hired so it's been a really slow kind of different off season normally you see eight head coaches fired and you have a you know this whirlwind of interviews and a team would have made a hire or two by now. Um, you haven't seen anything. You've only had five openings, five head coaching openings. Most teams, I think, had a third of the league fired their offensive coordinator. So it seems like teams are kind of maybe dialing back this giving up on coaches too quick and um, you know, giving the, the coaches a chance to, to hire a different coordinator. That's what this offseason seems to be like. And, you know, I think you can kind of – you know, I don't know. We we are, we can all assume that they are doing what you mentioned, and that's trying to fit quarterback with a coordinator. And I think that's the smart move if you can do it, especially since it's been a slow process. Where like they're let's say they had a favorite and they missed out on him because they don't know what they're doing with quarterback yet. That's not the case. Everything is slow right now, so it allows you that luxury. Um, so you know, if they're waiting for. You know, it doesn't seem like they're anywhere close to making a hire yet. Maybe it is a two-week thing. If if that leads you up until after the Super Bowl and you have an answer from a Derek Carr or uh, a Rodgers trade happens or is close to happening, um, you know, this time of the year, there's a lot of back-channeling going on and there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about. So um, something can come along really at any minute and, and just kind of blow up and be like, oh, shit, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't expect that. So. I, I think that's what the process is here. And also I think there's a little bit of waiting. I think I mentioned on, you know, when we did the mailbag or, or maybe a show after that about 
uh, the Jets with the interest in, in Frank Reich when he really wasn't mentioned. And, and I said that he's going to be uh, trying to get the head coaching job, but he wants to coach. So, you know, they're still waiting on that. So if I think when, when you, maybe the Texans will be the first team to hire a coach. Cause it seems like they're further along in the process. They're, they're starting up their second round of interviews. And I think it was uh, Mike Kafka from the giants who got the first second interview with the Texans. So maybe they will be the first one to hire their staff. Um, so that'll be maybe the first domino and then things, things start to move a bit once guys are told, you know, Hey, we're, you know, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to be hiring you. Um, so maybe all it takes is just one to get this thing rolling a bit, but as of right now, it just seems like everything's kind of at a snail's pace around the league with hiring coaches. Nick Spano, co-founder of U Stadium. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. For those that haven't taken advantage of the takes feature over at U Stadium, go do that now. It's a chance for you to win money without risking any of your own, and there's nothing better than that. If you DM Nick at U Stadium on Twitter, he'll set you up with some points to get started. So make sure that you do that. Tell them that Play Like a Jet sent you and you will be on your way with some points. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, so watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast. Podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.